studied in countless works of history, was one of the largest and most rapid internal movements of people in history, perhaps the greatest such shift not caused by a natural catastrophe or immediate threat of disease or starvation. In New York City, the waves of black migrants from the South began flooding in by the late 1940s. New York had Harlem, the preeminent African-American neighborhood and cultural center in the United States. But the infusion of migrants over the next 25 years was far too vast for any one neighborhood to absorb. Blacks began settling on the fringes of white working-class neighborhoods throughout the city's five boroughs, but nowhere was the transformation more startling than in Brooklyn. The borough of churches, which had been its own city until its incorporation into New York City in 1898, had been home to generations of Irish, Italians, and Eastern European Jews. Now, older residents who had lived in Brooklyn since the 1920s, 1930s, or 1940s were shocked to find their neighborhoods on the receiving end of a massive migration of poor, desperate Negroes from the South, along with a significant migration of Puerto Ricans who were fleeing the impoverished Caribbean island, part of the U.S. Commonwealth. Some lower-middle-class white communities in Brooklyn already suffered from poverty and municipal neglect. The latent, free-floating bitterness among their residents soon turned to aggressive anger toward the alien horde of niggers and spicks who were, seemingly, being dumped onto their streets by the thousands each month. Some whites stayed and resisted the tides of change, but most fled. In three Brooklyn neighborhoods, Brownsville, Bushwick, and East New York, the transition was catastrophic. Over a five-year period in the early 1960s, the neighborhood of East New York went from being 80% white to 80% black and Puerto Rican. There were no social programs to deal with this unprecedented shift in the community's racial composition. The new arrivals were met mostly with a potent mixture of fear, hostility, and outright racism, a combination the Negroes found all too familiar. In the book My Father's Gun, Brian McDonald traces three generations of cops in his own family, and how they were affected by the city's shifting racial landscape. The MacDonald family had lived in the mostly Irish Catholic Fordham Road section of the Bronx for two generations, until 1956, when they picked up and moved to the suburban bedroom community of Pearl River in Rockland County, 60 miles north of the city. The road to Rockland County was well-worn. Between 1950 and 1960, more than 50,000 people moved north from the city. The overwhelming majority were white, many of them police officers who had concluded that the urban jungle, increasingly overrun by blacks and Puerto Ricans and rising crime, was no longer for them. MacDonald describes witnessing his father come home from work each day more and more disgusted and alienated by the city he once loved. He would pour himself a stiff drink, sit in a chair, and grumble angrily about the Mau Maus and goddamn junkies who had turned his precinct into a jungle. Lieutenant MacDonald's disgust was hardened by his own isolation. In the upstate community where he now lived, he was surrounded largely by other white cop families who'd fled the city just as he had. Bitterness seethed among these exiled cops. To them, the city seemed more alien and unsalvageable with each passing day. African Americans suffered disproportionately from a wide range of abuses, including indiscriminate searches, station house beatings, and coerced confessions. They knew that a cop could stop them any time, and there was little they could do about it. Nothing filled black citizens with dread more than being led into a police station house. 
and by the late 1950s those stations were increasingly run by suburban white men, long since estranged from the city they policed. Black citizens knew what most whites were unaware of or chose not to know. In police custody, black men were beaten with phone books and rubber hoses. Police violence and malevolence against black people were business as usual. As far back as the 1920s, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, NAACP, had begun lodging complaints of police brutality against the NYPD. These complaints increased greatly in the post-World War II years, when a number of black servicemen were shot and killed by New York police. To see veterans victimized after serving their country in the war was particularly galling to black advocacy groups. But the violence did not end there. From 1947 to 1952, 46 unarmed African Americans were killed by police officers in the state of New York. Only two whites were killed by police in the same period.